There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plushcare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Rubber gloves have touched so much dirty stuff. And the only way to put on rubber gloves is to touch the rubber gloves. So then you take the dirty stuff that the rubber gloves are living with and then you put them on your fingers and then you stuff them into rubber and then you sweat and then it all goes into your skin so you're basically much worse off than if you use your mouth Adrift with Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port Alright, it's week two of Annabelle's maternity leave and look who's come around my house Narina Palo. hello Hello Um are, are you uh, are you comfortable in other people's houses if you get invited around for dinner or a house party? Is that a comfortable environment yeah. for you? Yeah, I don't mind going around to somebody else's place, but I'm always stressed hosting, like because I'm a really bad cook. Can you tell people are lying to you when they say that the, your food was really good? Yeah, or they just never call you again. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, we were chatting earlier about like crazy projection onto our children and earlier. Yeah. So when my son was little, his first nursery, um, because I live in Camden, there there are actually not that many nursery options near where I live. And so you, you're, by proximity, Primrose Hill has been a place I've had to connect with on many of... So you're accidentally one of the Primrose Hill yes, set. And these people were... Um, I have to be careful what I say. These people <laughs> might be listening. <laughs> but they're, 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 they have these incredible social lives because none of the women work. You know, so they invite you to their very nice shishi homes that um, have been interior designed to to within an inch of their lives. And then the pressure's on you to reciprocate. Anyway, I dreaded it and I just thought I'm going to have to do it. I'm going to have to bite the bullet. And why is it when you do something like that, you feel the need to make a dish you've never made before in your life? Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Every single dish. Yeah. Why not play the greatest hits? <laughs> Just one dish, make it really relaxed. Yeah. Oh no, I did four courses and they were all terrible. <laughs> and I knew that it was terrible because there was everybody left everything. Oh no! And it was just one of those evenings where all I could do was just get everybody really drunk. It was that was it. So they they forgot all about it. Yeah, and I never got asked back. Have it to your own house? <laughs> yes. No, not my own house. Do you um do you have a downstairs toilet? Yes, I do. Yes. So I don't like going around people's houses who have downstairs toilets because you, you've got no real excuse to go rooting around and rummaging around. Oh, I never thought about it like that. It's an upstairs toilet, you know. I've got one of those as well. Right, but you, but if I'm round your house, there's no way I can't say, I'm just going to pop and use the upstairs toilet so I can have a look in your bedroom. So what is it you'd look for if you were going around someone's house? Just like to get a sense of it. Are you um are, are you a shoes off or a shoes on house? Um, uh, I'm... I'm neither really. I don't really care. I take my shoes off when I go home. But if someone comes around, I'm not going to freak out. Because we're a shoes off house, but I'm too needy for people's approval to ask them to take their shoes off. Right, okay. So what I, I do is leave the shoes by the door and in hope. The hope that it's a queue. And I yeah. noticed you took the queue, which I was quite Because pleased. I have the same thing in my house as well. Right. So I take my shoes off. But it's a losing battle because I have dogs, cats, men who don't care about stuff like that. And so I, it's just my small, you know, attempt to install some kind of like cleanliness and order in the house and nobody cares. I never understand people who would keep their shoes on at home. It's just a better feeling. That... Do you have slippers though? Are you I, wearing slippers? I haven't I'm not. I'm wearing uh, socks at the moment, yeah. but you know, I, I think you should wear slippers because a lot of accidents happen because of socks <laughs> on floorboards. I, I think. That... If you had a pair of slippers, what would they look like? I do own them. I rarely put them on. They're, they're ex- exactly what you would imagine. They're the 
Are they, they're, they're sort of are they tartan? They are tartan. <laughs> yeah. They're the slippers that you would expect somebody who's had a breakdown to be shuffling around in. I, you know, those, those slippers were bought preemptively for a breakdown. I heard of some somebody was telling me the other week about uh, having gone to somebody's house and they provide slippers oh, for all the guests. Yes. That's see now I attempted this when when I when I got married I decided I wanted to be really good at being married right and really good at cooking and being a really good hostess because I had no experience of doing this I was a touring musician for years you know it was never like that for me and we went on a holiday to Morocco to this amazing Riyadh where they gave you slippers and uh, they also said you could keep them and you can go and buy them in the market so I thought I know I'm going to buy like ten pairs of these phenomenal slippers so when our guests come round I can do that and uh, I lined them up they're all pretty colours and within literally a month my dogs had peed in them (laughs) (laughs) but the piece de resistance was my mother came to visit and my younger dog really doesn't like my mum she's a very good judge of character my dog (laughs) and uh, my dog uh, can you swear on this? Yeah. my dog shat in the slippers (laughs) and then my mother put them on (laughs) and we howl from downstairs <laughs> and then this sort of wrenching sound <laughs> were you proud of your dog in that moment i was actually but but yeah after that the, sh- the slippers we did away with the slippers around the house have you found that what you wear around the house has changed i mean you've been a mom ages but like seven years but have you found what you wear around the house changes because i was a big fan of nudity around the house until gene was born and i don't want him to be one of those kids who grows up with nude parents Oh yeah, that'd be awful, wouldn't it? I've never, I never had that, but I've got friends who, who did have that. Um, no, not really. I don't think we were that naturist in our okay. behaviour previously. I don't know what I was thinking of because I feel deep shame about my own body. So you know, I'm, I'm quite happy to I have. Think it. Everyone does, though, don't they? Yeah, I was surprised on your record. There's a line: "Take your shirt off, and we'll put a record on." I think. Oh God, oh, you've I, really I, listened to it. I, I feel sorry for my wife if she ever has to see me without a shirt on. <laughs> yeah, but- that song's about teenage sex. So, like, even even the like the least attractive fourteen year old haven't been at the pies and beer enough to be embarrassed. By this that is point. true. Shame is something you acquire yeah. over a lifetime. Yeah, you're supposed to get more comfortable in your own skin as you get older, but I just get less and less comfortable. I no, I think you go. I think maybe as women, I I. You know, when you're young, I felt really self-conscious to the point I just spent most of my teens in perda, like self-imposed perda. Really? Um, yeah, I just wore, I was looking at photos of myself. It was partly the style as well back in the day, you know, docks, long skirts. Um, I looked like a gothic princess, except I was too scared to have any tattoos. And uh, and just, it was joyless. And you just feel like going to that person saying, but you've there's nothing wrong with you just wear mini skirts just have some fun and then you know you get into your 20s your 30s and you're sort of like you you're less inhibited in that way then I think you have a baby and you're like you don't want anyone anyone to see your body you don't even want to look at your own body and then you get to the point you're like oh god it's it's a body you know and you're at that point now yeah well, I'm glad that you've got a lot of regret because I, I can't be doing with people who say they've got no regrets. I'm glad you'd like to go to your teenage self and tell them to do what? it differently. But don't you want to go back to your teenage self and say... Oh, I want to go back to my teenage self. I want to go back to myself in my 20s, my 30s, something I did last week. I mean, I'm constantly moving through life wishing I hadn't done... What would be your one piece of advice to like 17-year-old self? Have less confidence. I think I, had to, I, think I was oh, really? too much confidence when I was young. I thought, I just assumed that people liked me. (laughs) (laughs) But did they? Did you have friends? I had a friend. (laughs) That that should have told you something, maybe. Welcome to the main module of the show with Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port in a program called Adrift. Can you get with it yet? All right, I have some stories here from uh, our fellow drifters and that they tend to be around social inadequacy. And what I find fascinating about you is externally, you you seem like somebody who would not not have any of this to them. You seem like one of the cool kids, but I don't think you you feel like that on the inside. <laughs> no. The cool kids feel like that on the inside. I don't know who wants to hang out with the cool kids. Not me. The tossers. Yeah. Unless they wanted to hang out with me and then maybe I'd feel differently about it. Yeah, I think, uh, do you know what? I think that idea of cool, unfortunately, is set in your adolescent years. And so I think 
it's dependent on how you looked in your adolescent years. And I look, in fact, I can remember a school photograph where the photographer, I had to sit for the individual photo and he turned to his assistant because I had braces, milk bottle glasses and a terrible hairdo. And he turned to his assistant and he goes, bloody hell, it's a female Michael Foote. And you know what? When you're 14, there's no real coming back from that, is there? No, and and that that tells you, you know, you yeah. probably have that in your head. Absolutely. I'm the female Michael. <laughs> Pretty Fox. much. Yeah. Oh my god. Um, this first one comes from Chris, who says there's a jerk chicken shop round the corner from my office that sells the best lunches I've ever tasted. I love jerk chicken, um, but I never feel like I can go there unless I tag along with a crowd of people from my office. The owner is a very cool Jamaican man. And at lunchtimes, it's full of trendy types eating their lunch and listening to reggae music. Um, I, on the other hand, am a balding middle-aged man in a grey suit. I feel like I stand out too much to go there and I don't really belong. One day, though, I felt brave. Um, Moments like this are usually when problems start. I stepped into the shop and ordered my jerk chicken with rice and peas from the shop owner and gave him my money. Then I started to feel self-conscious and look sheepishly around the shop. I wondered if I was being looked at by the hipsters and young professionals enjoying their lunch, but I thought I was probably just making too much of it. As I turned round, the shop owner was looking at me with his arm outstretched and a hand uh, in a fist held in my direction. This is my moment, I thought. I've been accepted. I'd heard of doing a fist bump before, although this was the first and last time I attempted one. I gingerly reached out with my fist, pressed it gently into his. He recoiled in horror. No, mate, it's your change, he said, and opened his fist to show me the coins held in his hand. A few people by the counter burst into laughter. My brain exploded with panic. I turned and ran out of the shop, not stopping to get my change or my lunch. I've been too traumatised to eat jerk chicken ever since. I just don't don't try those things. That's just, that's quite sad, isn't it? It is. It's the sort of thing that begins a downward spiral where someone never leaves the house again, do they? (laughs) It's just... (laughs) <laughs> oh dear I, I get very nervous about a high five I'm very glad that those have fallen out of fashion it depends where you go like it's certain places they're still happening so this morning I went to this I don't I say a gym I go to a boot camp like twice a week as an effort you know in middle age to right. not, not die too young and I do they shout at you at boot camp they do yes why would you put yourself through that because I'm so lazy that if I don't do it and they don't have someone shouting at me I won't do anything you need stick not carrot yeah okay so I go I loathe it but I come out and I feel like I've done my bit I can go and drink a bottle of rosé tonight <laughs> and I took my husband he's never been before but he wondered what my strange fascination was with it uh, and they insist on high-fiving you on the way in and high-fiving you on the way out. Yeah, Twice a week you're doing high-fives. It's really awful. Do you ever miss? <laughs> no, I haven't. Because that, that's my big fear. And if anybody does it now, I always miss oh, deliberately. But sometimes the person who has got a really sweaty hand. Right. It's just unpleasant. You get st- and you want to make a satisfying slap sound. Yeah. There's a lot to go wrong in a high-five. But is high-fiving cultural misappropriation? That's what I wonder. Oh, God, I don't want to start it's a worrying. There's another thing it? to worry yeah. about. Um, this one, uh, I think she wants to stay anonymous. It says, I've developed a reputation at my office job as an expert on food. I cook a lot. So throughout the years, colleagues have made it a point to talk to me about food they've made, ask for tips, stroke advice, stroke recipes, etc. All this is fine, nice even. However, an unsettling trend has developed where quite often people, these are adult university professors, scientists, by the way, will ask me to examine or smell their ageing food to determine if it's acceptable to eat. Often it's not. Of course, I don't want to be doing this. I've tried to empower people with knowledge, asking questions about the content, storage, age of the food, and then providing general food safety guidelines around the responses. That didn't work. I've also tried to avoid the whole matter by saying something like, oh, well, if it already looks or smells not tasty to you, then then what I say won't matter. And every single time the person has responded, oh, I don't intend to smell it. You're the expert. I'm distressed with how to proceed. Please advise. Thanks for the help. Sincerely, Odiferous in Ohio. I don't know how you get out of that apart oh, from changing simple. jobs. No, oh, go on. It's simple. She just has to have a permanent cold. <laughs> she just has to take to having a handkerchief or snotting everywhere and nobody will ever ask her to go near their food again. I feel that like you've just changed her life <laughs> for the better. Be free, little bird. Be free. <laughs> um, and this one comes from Samantha who says, Hi, guys. Um, my friend Sarah from Byron Bay, Australia, recommended your podcast to me via Facebook, there are like-minded souls out there. The following is an example of my shyness stroke social awkwardness stroke social ineptness. I moved to North Devon 
UK from Australia about four years ago. Having had most of my driving experience in Australia with all the space it offers, I'd never learned to parallel park, indeed park in tight spaces. This has led to much anxiety negotiating parking spaces, street parking, etc. in the UK. I've dabbled at parallel parking, but need much practice and, and trying this risks people noticing my lame attempts, drawing attention to my ineptness, and basically a, a very uncomfortable time for myself. So finding an easy parking spot brings me much joy and relief. So I was meeting some friends for lunch in Croyd in North Devon one day, and I was so delighted to find an easy parking spot on the road, which is very, very limited and hard to get in Croyd. I got to drive straight in and park the car with ease and draw no attention to myself. Fab, I hop out of the car, I open the boot to get something out, and a car pulls up behind me, pops its indicator on, and obviously thinks I'm putting something into the boot, and I am in oh. fact leaving. So instead of doing what normal, socially confident people do and letting them know that I'm arriving, not leaving, or instead of just waving them on, I close my boot, hop in the car and drive no, away so they can no, have the parking no. spot. No. <laughs> yeah. That's very strange behaviour. I, I, can re- I can relate to it in a little bit. Oh, no. I don't really know what to say to that. I don't think I've... I'm, I mean... Yeah, I think you need help. Are you a driver? <laughs> I am a driver, but I know what you mean about parallel parking. I find that it's a flashpoint, isn't it? Of... I can't drive. I never learned to drive. Oh, okay. So, well, if you live in London and you drive, parallel parking is the bane of your life. It's a daily occurrence. But there's also that thing, you know, like football, like being in a studio, where as a woman driver, you feel there's extra pressure that you have to, like, carry right. womankind with you to be able to parallel park. But... um. That's just bonkers, shouting the boom and Why would you do that to yourself? I can, I can relate to it. I think but, I... but waving someone on is the lim- is like the most limited form of social interaction, isn't it? I guess it is. I guess it is. But I, th- I think maybe she just didn't want to disappoint them. <laughs> That's really sweet. Um, if you have any stories like this, please, uh, um, we'd love to hear them. You can email us hello at adriftpodcast.com. If you know Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port, you may also know that they're sick. Sick in a medium way. Very neutral. Neutral sick. Adrift. So I think as as this podcast is is released, it will either be Halloween or almost Halloween or just after Halloween. Mm-hmm. Um, are, are you a fan? Um, do you know what? I... I don't mind it. I, 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 I'm wondering when it became such a thing. I've got a theory on this. Oh, okay. It's the film E.T., I think, was the tipping point in this country. So I think that film showed us how nuts the Americans go for it with the trick, trick or treat and whatever, and then it became a huge thing. But we were slowly. kids when that was out. And yeah, I and don't no, no, remember it having an impact with me with Halloween. That was, that was the turning point, though. These, you know, that, hmm. was, that was the... Um, I remember Bonfire Night being a bigger thing. Guy yeah. Fawkes Night was the big old thing. Yeah. And we used to call it Guy Fawkes Night, yeah. didn't we? And I do kind of think Let It Go, though. It's been a long time. <laughs> <laughs> Let's let bygones be bygones. Don't you wish you could go back in there during a Brexit negotiation? <laughs> so, Solve everybody's problems. So is it big in your uh, in your neighbourhood, uh, Halloween? Huge. Right. Huge. So have you already given thought to what your son will wear this um, year? He's, he hasn't told me what he wants to theme it as this year. One year we went as matching skeletons. That was a lot of fun. And uh, we normally meet up with other mates in the area. Um, and uh, it's quite a big deal, I think, when you're seven. Mm. You know, uh, and are the are the costumes always spooky themed? Well, this is why I I feel I'm a purist, right? right. So I feel like we need to reclaim Halloween. Yes. <laughs> We've only had it for, for the ghouls decades. and ghosts and yes. monsters. What is this like fancy dress free for all? Where yeah, people are wife, turning up as Donald Trump? Yeah, Stop. my wife last year went as um, um, Carmela and Tony Soprano with the baby. It's got f all to do with yes. Halloween. This year she wants to go as Despacito. <laughs> What the song? <laughs> the singers of that song, yeah. Oh, right, okay. Again, her and the baby. I'm I'm not involved okay. in this at all. But yeah, I think there, there I, should be some kind of um. There should be a spooky element yeah, to it. Yeah. Otherwise, it doesn't. You know, in America, people ha- open their houses up to be haunted houses. You know, they let people traipse around their houses and stuff. They do it in Australia as well. Really? Yeah. And there's a there's certain pockets of London where you have larger American communities. Um, St. John's Wood, they go all out because there's a big, there's the American school is there. Like, if you want to go and see Halloween done, 
you know, the American way. So you can get to go and nosy around people's yeah, houses. Yeah. Last year, when, and uh, not necessarily all, all the houses, I think they're, they're sort of like a bit more restrained, but you can go in their garage and they, their pathway around their garden. It's like an open house garden thing. And they people wow. project films onto their houses. Wow. Yeah. The, the first year we moved in here, we were excited because we know there's loads of kids around here. So we got all the sweets in for Halloween and we sat in all evening and nobody knocked no. on the door, not one. And we could hear all these kids going around the houses outside. And we thought that we had got the reputation of being the creepy new people on the street who you wouldn't want your children knocking on the door. Did you have lights on? No, well, this is the thing. We didn't have a pumpkin outside. Oh. So there's, there's an, an unwritten yeah. rule, which yeah. if you have no Halloween paraphernalia on the outside of your house, then they, they will leave you in peace. And what kind of sweets had you provided? You know, those pick and mixy things. Okay. Although the, the following year, <laughs> I thought this would be hilarious. I, I got all these sweets in, but I also put in a bowl a load of Brussels sprouts. So when kids knocked on the door, they said, trick or treat. I said, oh, treat. Yeah. And then I'd show them Brussels sprouts and then I'd watch their faces be horrified. And I'd say, not really. And then give them the sweets and it'd all be very funny. And... Um, if this... you do that in Camden, you'll probably get knifed. <laughs> <laughs> well, the opposite happened here because it's, uh, you know, it's, it's a, a certain type of modern parent in this neighbourhood. A uh, little girl knocks on the door with her mum. I show her the Brussels sprouts. Mum's like, oh, great, Brussels sprouts. It's like, no, no, I'm only kidding. We've got chocolate. <laughs> really. Well, actually, I think we prefer the Brussels sprouts. Araminta really loves the Brussels sprouts. Yeah, yeah. I think social services oh, should take those, those But, the, you know, when I took my son the year before last, I went round to my mates um, in Kentish Town and... Most people made a bit of an effort and they had sweets. But there was this one house where they had put a pumpkin outside. They thought kids wanted tangerines. No child wants a tangerine for Halloween. No. How old were these people? They were about our age. No, I think unless you're in the 90s. Yeah. In your 90s, you, you know that kids don't want tangerines yeah, in Satsumas. Like, and I bet they wanted to tell us that they were organic tangerines. <laughs> no one cares. Are you a fan of the Monster Mash? Um, what's the monster mash? It's the it's the graveyard smash. It was the monster mash. Oh, the mash. song, the yeah. song. I, do you know what? I've never really had an opinion on it. Right. You know? I used to, there was the one great thing about being on the radio on Halloween is I would always play the Monster Mash. And then I saw a tweet recently which blew my mind. And I can't remember whose tweet it was, but it was the, the song, the Monster Mash, isn't the Monster Mash. It's a song about the Monster Mash. So nobody's heard it. Do you see? Oh, yes. It's got very they meta. So nobody the... knows what the Monster Mash sounds yeah. like. We just know what the song about it sounds like. Yeah. I think there's a gap in the market for a new Halloween novelty song. But isn't Thriller the greatest Halloween song of all time? I guess it is. I guess it's it is. It's got everything you want. It's got Vincent Price. Mm. It is Vincent Price on it, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. That's to my, my go-to Halloween song. It's, can you do the dance? No. <laughs> well, I can, but I'm not <laughs> going to because it's just an embarrassing old person doing a Michael Jackson dance. Badly. You will be reminded of this show and this feeling. Adrift. When you wake up. Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port, adrift. An awful thing happened to me before. I um, I was in the bath and the phone went, so I looked at it and it was a number, but I didn't recognise the number. It wasn't stored in my phone, so I thought, I'm not going to answer that because I'm sane. Yeah. That's what a sane person would do. They didn't leave a message and I can't relax now. <laughs> do you get that? Uh, oh, but it, no, no. Well... I get hopeful sometimes when I see a number I don't know. I, don't, I think it's Hollywood or I've won a prize or yeah, something like that. Not when it's like a 01 blah, blah, blah number, you know it's a landline. Yeah. But when I see an unknown mobile phone number, I think, what what excitement could this be? You know. I know. And who, who was it? it, was, it was a, I could tell it was a really old number because it was 07860, which phones were... Oh, see, I would answer that because that's like a human. Yeah, and it's, it's somebody... I, I really respect people who have the same phone number for a long time. I've had the same phone number for 20 years. Could Congratulations. I think that reflects really well on you as a person. I think these people who are flighty with their it's phone changed, number. It's changed prefixes over the years because yeah. the providers have changed. But yes, my number has not changed. That that I, th- I think that is very indicative of who you are as a person. Do you think so? Yeah, I think you should be proud of that. But a very funny thing happened. So a few years ago, I had like a brief 15 seconds of profile. And what I noticed was like people stopped calling me. They just stopped calling me. Friends stopped texting me, calling me. And I'd run into them. I'd see someone down the pub and I'd be like, what happened? You never called me. Well, you must have changed your number. I didn't know what number to call you on. Oh. I'm like, why would I change my number? They just assumed. They assumed I'd changed my number and I hadn't texted them with my new number. Did you, um, did you behave yourself when you had that sort of flush of fame? 
Yeah, because I kind of knew it was going to be fleeting. Do you know I mean? <laughs> that's, that's great because people do go a bit. I mean, you must have seen it time and time again. Yeah, like some people. There's a Bill Murray um, thing because he he came up on Saturday Night Live, but he came up a bit later than that first bunch of people. Um, and he said, when somebody gets famous, you've kind of got to let them. You've got to allow them two years to behave of like being a dick, an idiot. and yeah. then if they you know behave badly after that then they were an awful person in the first place yeah i think that's a really good analogy so um i will just remind you that if you'd like to show your support for the uh, podcast you can support us at patreon.com stroke adrift did you you've done pledge music is that a similar thing it can be you don't have to do it in that manner it's not the same as patreon right do you, you feel embarrassed asking people for money i ask them after the fact I don't, okay. I don't, uh, because I'm, uh, I'm quite, have quite firm feelings that uh, whatever I make should not be dictated to by people paying money and then demanding it's not the way they want it. Yes. So I'd rather, I'm quite old fashioned like this, like a baker. I'd rather make my baked goods first, then pay, then people pay me. And then if I sell enough, I can make another one. I wouldn't do it the other way around. I know it works for some people for big projects. I know Amanda Palmer did it for a big orchestral thing that costs a fortune. But I just wouldn't, I, I want to make the work I want to make. And if you like it, then pay me on pledge. Well, I think that's how we're doing it. I think that's how we're doing it yeah, with Patreon this podcast. Is, it, Patreon is like people like your work, so yeah. they support you. I feel guilty, though, when I see people's names and I see how sometimes you know, people donate very generous amounts. Yeah. And I feel really bad for them. What, what, in case you don't give them what they want? Yeah, I just think, oh, God, I mean, why would you spend that money on this rubbish? <laughs> But because people, yeah, but then that's your, you're not, you know, you're underestimating how good you are, what you do. Well, I don't know about that. I, you, I really, you know, I, I feel like ringing each of those people and saying thank you and sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but no, but so you were a part of people's lives for a long time. What was it, 19 years? Yeah, eight to 18 years. On, yeah. yeah. And this is funny. I meant to, I don't know if I told you this, but whenever, when I was pregnant with my child, whenever I went to the office to see the, 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 what do they call them? The consultant person. Yeah. Um, the they're in their waiting area. They would always play Virgin Radio. Uh, Absolute. And I tended to go in there during the drive time slot for uh-huh. some reason. And so I would regularly be sitting there listening to you and Annabelle. That's so yeah, weird. When and uh, being ultrasounded or something. We've we've had some weird ones like that. We've had. Um, I, th- I think s- somebody has given birth. Maybe not given birth, but people, I think people given birth while you've been on air yeah it's weird isn't it like yeah. i know people have saved up podcasts for a while they're in labor before now yeah. i mean i just think you've got enough problems when you're in labor it's like <laughs> I, unpleasant enough without I subjecting just, yourself i wouldn't to want to well. listen to anything in that kind of scenario you just want to be left alone don't you i think how um I was talking to Annabelle about her labour and apparently she was all, according to her and and her lover actually, she was all sweetness and light, whereas my wife Sarah was beastly to me during the <laughs> labour. Where, where do you fall on the spectrum? I never got to have a labour in the end uh-huh. because a few weeks before I was due to give birth, I uh, had to have, I had to uh, be whipped in because I got an infection and uh I was not well at all, actually. Uh, but the biggest pain in the arse was I had booked a recording session, thinking I had plenty of time <laughs> to get all this work done. Basically made an album. And then uh, I went for a routine checkup towards the end of my pregnancy. I knew I was cutting it a bit fine. Yeah. And they said, oh, we've got to have you in on Thursday. I was like, no, you don't understand. I've got a string orchestra session. <laughs> <laughs> Can we do it next week? And they're like... No, you've got an infection. You've got to come in and have your baby. How does it work? Do you have to pay a deposit on a string orchestra? Well, you booked a studio. You know, I booked. I was and I booked a producer. I was working with Bernard Butler at the time, and we booked everybody. You can't cancel on a two, three days' notice. In, in, in a very similar situation, um, when my wife went into labour, we had dentist appointments booked for that day, <laughs> and we, you know, as she's in labour, we're in a taxi on the way to the hospital, and she's saying, "You're going to have to cancel the dental appointments because otherwise we'll." I think it's a pretty good excuse, though, right? Well, when you I, call did, them but up. I mean, it sounded so much like an excuse because I called up from the taxi, and it was early in the morning, so it was an answer phone, and. As as I was leaving this message saying, I'm awfully sorry, my wife's gone into labour, she gets a contraction. So she starts sort of Stop moaning howling. and groaning. Oh, and it just sounds so made up. Oh, that's really funny. Yeah. Um, anyway, I can't quite remember how we meandered in that direction. But if you would like to support us on Patreon, it's patreon.com stroke adrift. 
Um, happy birthday for all of you who aren't listening, and those of you who are, you're in on the joke. Great, good work. Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port, Adrift. Thank you. All right, here's a situation I found myself in this week. Um, so I dropped my son off at nursery. Okay, it goes there a couple of days a week. And I feel that I've got quite good rapport with the women who work in the nursery. And I, I feel I seldom have good small talk. Yeah. So it's, it's a precious thing to me. Anyway, one of the women who works there had mentioned to me, she, she's alluded to the fact that she had done the Edinburgh Festival a few times. So I, I Googled her. And it turns out she uh, used to be, do a comedy act with a good friend of mine. Oh. But I can't work out whether I can bring this up without looking weird. Like you stalked her online. Do you, th- do you think it's a given that everybody you meet, you, you deep Google them? Oh, that's a really good question, isn't it? So I know your husband yeah. was a, a coach on the German voice from my Googling. <laughs> you know, I, I really pride myself on, yeah. on, on Googling people. But Google is so... Um, I was thinking about this the other day. I was thinking about how much information we proffer about ourselves online. Um, but actually, we don't really know that much about people, regardless of all the things they tell us online, because people self-curate, don't they? Yes, it's the, the idealised version yeah. of yourself. And Google is the same thing so it's like a tiny fragment of someone's personality so if she maybe she knows that you know her friend and she's thinking that she you would of course know that she'd been in the edinburgh festival so maybe your way of getting around it is saying i was chatting to blah 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 and your name came up in conversation i forgot you two right, why, why would it have come up in conversation though somebody <laughs> yeah. she did like a comedy out with 11 years ago but actually yeah I f- I know what you mean because there's like there's a person uh, related to my child. If because I'm just worried that they might listen. Yeah, to this okay, we'll, we'll keep it nice and vague. But I do feel like this person knows everything I've ever done in my life, and uh, I unfortunately I can't not engage with this person because uh, of certain child uh, interactions. Interactions, yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's very weird when someone knows that much about you and you've only ever exchanged about four or five words well i'm gonna look into the the etiquette of this whole situation in this week's the incident Dave Gorman is the host of TV's Modern Life is Goodish. He is also the most forensic Googler I know. I asked him for advice on how I could broach the subject at the nursery. You can't. You can't bring it up in conversation, but you don't need to bring it up in conversation. What you need to do is have lots of conversations with other people you know about this who who can take on board the fact that you Googled her. Do you not think it would be good small talk? No, not really. I, I think... Nobody enjoys discovering that they've been spied upon. I think that's one of the rules in life. It's like if you said, do you know what? I really enjoy the way you've changed the wallpaper in your bedroom recently. <laughs> oh, just, you know, once I, I found out that you were working on this, I just, you know, you were doing your desk, and I'd just be standing outside your house quite a lot just to see what you like. It feels like that. What place to go, but, Jeff? But don't you think it's a given in modern life that anybody you meet, you, you're going to do some googling of them? Uh, well, yeah, but everyone does it, and everyone knows that everyone else is doing it. But everyone's pretending they're not doing it, and the only way that society can be maintained is if everyone goes along with the pretense that they're not doing it. Right. So, if if... I, I know how much every single friend has paid for their house. But yes. I'm never ever going to say that. <laughs> I'm never going to reveal that I know that. Yeah. But of course I do. If people really don't want to be Googled, they will soon be able to claim the new EU right to be forgotten. I got data protection consultant Tim Turner to explain it to me. Well, it's a right that gives people some measure of control over how their data is used. So they can ask an organisation to delete anything which the organisation doesn't need anymore. So at least to some extent, if, if the, the, the purpose for using it is gone, you can ask for it to be wiped away. Um, there are some other possibilities as well, some other uh, reasons why you can ask. 
But the, the bedrock of it is the organisation doesn't need it anymore. The purpose has passed. And so you can ask them to erase it. So what if like, I'd been to a fancy dress party as hair flicked from aloe aloe and I, I thought that with hindsight that was a terrible idea? Could that I would argue- be a good look for you. <laughs> um, could, could I argue that that was no longer valuable to, to Facebook? Well, it, especially with Facebook, yes, because a lot of what Facebook does is based on consent. I mean, a lot of you know Instagram, Facebook and similar websites, the whole thing's built on consent. So if you decide that you you don't want it to be there, or even if somebody else put it there, and especially, you know, you, you've got no no justification for you, you'll be able to ask them to delete it. And do you think there's any damage, do you think there's any danger that if you start um, getting stuff erased from the internet about you, it just looks worse because it looks like you've got something to hide? Yes. And, and that's one of the things, it's almost like, it's a social experiment that we, until these requests start coming in and, and some of them being successful, we won't know what it's like. I, I've got a friend who did a job that he wasn't particularly good at and he'd kind of like it not to exist anymore. Now, whether he uses right to be forgotten, I don't know, but we don't know, we don't know what the world looks like when these holes start to appear in people's histories. <laughs> I wondered if worrying about this stuff is just generational. This is my friend Leah. She's a millennial. I don't know either. Um, I warn you, I inhaled a piece of rice earlier, so I keep coughing, but I'll try not to. <laughs> okay. Well, that could derail things. But Leah recently went viral when an aspect of her personal life blew up on social media. So, uh, my husband and I, before we got married, we met on Twitter, and when it came round to we just got married, I found a tweet that was sort of foreshadowing what was going to happen in the future where I sort of invited someone as a joke to my sister's wedding and he replied and there was a whole big thing basically it kind of was foreshadowing what was going to happen and so I retweeted it and then it it kind of got went a bit mad and JK Rowling saw it and retweeted it and we started getting media inquiries from all over the world um, so yeah, you, it was a pretty intense few days. Do, do you know how many times it re- was retweeted? Um, it was retweeted twenty-one thousand times. Wow! So, so you're putting something like you. So you're putting it in the public domain in the first place. But when you're doing it, you're not J.K. Rowling. You haven't got these millions of followers. So, do you feel like yeah. it's the public domain, or do you feel like it's just like putting something up on Facebook? Um, that's an odd one because. I've always felt that it's in the public domain and I've tried to always treat it as if I say something on Twitter, I would say it in real life, if that makes sense. So my mum follows me on Twitter, so obviously it has to be mum friendly. Right. Um, But do do you have a sense of there being an audience? I guess, yeah. Um, Which has changed since all that happened because I've got a load of new followers. Um, and some of them were Trump fans, so I had to block a few people that looked strange um, because that just didn't occur to me that that sort of thing would ever happen. So, so, <laughs> Trump so, fan so what did happen with crazy people? Then? I think what, the thing what, that happened what, most was not necessarily on Twitter. Most people on Twitter thought it was quite funny and quite nice because obviously they're in that ecosystem, so they kind of got it. But when it was posted on viral websites and then say on their Facebook pages, the Facebook comments would sometimes be really quite mean um there was a bunch of people that were like obsessed with the mole on my face wow um, there was some people who were who pointed out that i'd put on a load of weight and there was other people that were taking the mickey out of my husband's sunglasses in the photo Jeez. Um, just really really weird stuff i mean most of it was i mean to be honest that was probably like you know 10% maximum of but those things do stick with you obviously because so, they're quite personal but does has that led you to think that 10% of human beings are terrible oh I generally think that way higher percentage of people are terrible <laughs> <laughs> so um but yeah it was it was um it, it was actually a surprise that it was as well received as it was and that people were as nice as they were. Have you thought about the fact that maybe for the rest of your life, if people Google your name, this will be the first thing that comes up? What do you think? Have I maybe thought that? <laughs> <laughs> I don't 
course I do. Well, I don't want to. I don't want to suggest that maybe you're not going to you're not going to achieve anything uh, bigger than this in your life that you've already peaked. But but um, I mean that's probably the thing that's going to mean you're the most notorious. Is what does that feel like? Um, I I do admit I think for for both of us it feels a little bit weird to sort of have your defining feature as the fact that you got married because you know that's a very small part of our lives really in terms of the people and the personalities that we are um but on the plus side it's a nice story it's not like it was not something horrible we haven't been arrested for drink driving or you know what I mean just it's not a bad thing to have linked back to you and do you think as a pair of hip young millennials, it's just sort of <laughs> normal to have it all out there and you're very relaxed about what people can Google about you? Yeah, I don't know, really. I guess you, you live your life knowing that that's, that's something like that could happen. You don't expect it to happen. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. join me in this bubble that has been forever locked in the glass by the blower it's it's their breath it's horrible adrift jeff lloyd and annabelle port all right i have another email this comes from grace this says hi guys um whilst listening to the alley story last week a well-suppressed memory popped into my head this was a story about somebody who laid down in an alley and pretended to be asleep to avoid an awkward interaction with some some <laughs> colleagues it's a, a complex story but that's those are the salient <laughs> points uh, grace says when i was 19 i dropped out of college and decided to move to north london and work in stroke live above a pub despite only being there for around six months i have many memories from that period which do include being burgled three times i mean that's north london that goes with the territory doesn't it you, that you, seems a bit extreme have you never been burgled I'm holding on for dear <laughs> life. I'm not going to utter those words. So I've been burgled twice here, but... To I don't want to jinx anything. To be fair, once was um, not long after my wife had had the baby. She just went out and left the front door wide open. Somebody saw her and thought, oh, yeah. just pop in there, see if there are any laptops lying around. Did they take the whole lot? Just just one, just one. But I, th- I think, um, to be fair, to the, that was opportunism rather than burglary, Yeah, probably. Right? Um, Grace continues, anyway, one day my manager, who was more of a friendly mother figure than a boss, forgot her keys and couldn't get in. She kept calling me and banging on the door downstairs, but I was firmly snuggled up in bed and didn't want to move, so I didn't. Eventually, another tenant, Joe, let her in and she came knocking on my door, which I ignored again. I mean, come on, it was only 11am. My manager goes off to open the pub and gets to work, but she was still quite worried about me. I'd never ignored her before. I can't remember exactly how, but Joe finds out I'm there and pretends that he hasn't seen me. So a while later, my manager is back at my door with Joe and instructs him to knock it down. She's so worried. So what the hell am I supposed to do now? There's no window to climb out of or wardrobe to hide in. I'm caught. Joe takes his time thinking that I'll come up with a story. For example, I'd been out and just got back, but I wasn't smart enough for that. I patiently waited for them to break down my door. (laughs) And when the lights went on, I feigned groggily waking up because all the noise from my door being smashed in obviously wouldn't wake me up. So what was my excuse? I'd taken too many sleeping pills the night before. My manager was super worried about me after that. That's just like a whole world of pain, isn't it? That yeah. could have been avoided right at the beginning. Yeah, but the trouble is when, when, when you're in a lie, you've got to commit to it. Yeah, but we do do strange things like that. You reminded me of a time where I had somebody staying with me and I'd, you know, with people that were sort of stuck with having to know for family, basically. <laughs> That's a good way of phrasing it. Yeah, yeah. People were stuck with having to know. And these relationships, they have ebbs and, and ebb and flow, don't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you have periods where you really love them and periods where you would be quite happy to murder them and, and like go and do time for it. Yeah. So I was going through a phase with a, a family member. I won't say any more than that. And they'd come to stay with me. They don't live in this country. That's all I'm prepared to mm-hmm. say. Um, 
And for some reason, they really wanted to spend time with me and I really didn't want to spend time with them. So I told this elaborate lie about how I had to go to this my studio to do this work with this artist. Um, and... Uh, did you name the artist? Did you make make up somebody? I just said like a like an artist. I have to go and right. you know edit these things. They need to come and do back and forth. I can't come with you to do this. So uh, she, this I've given it away now. Gender, she, she, <laughs> she says to me, "Will you at least have brunch with me?" And I'm thinking, oh, "Okay, all right, I'll have brunch with you." So then we have brunch. She goes, "I'll be no trouble. I, c- I could just do some work at the studio. You know, I can answer some emails, read my book. Can I please come with you?" Uh. And I'm like. Um, oh, oh, okay. So I'm thinking, how am I going to like magic away the fact there's no artist there? Yeah. So I then said, I just got to go to the loo. So then I called a friend and said, look, can you come over to You are kidding. <laughs> so at that point, you could have very easily said, oh, you know what? The artist, I've just had a text message. The artist has cancelled. Instead, you think I'm going to embroil an imposter into this. <laughs> yeah. So I called a friend of mine who's an engineer and would pass as a, as a kind of like creative type. Yeah. Um. When you meet me at the studio, you know, I'll tell you about it later. Just do me a favour. Just pretend you're an artist. You know, blah, blah, blah. Fine. So then we go from the West End all the way up to North London. My studio's not far from where we are now. Except I was never intending to go to this studio. I just wanted to have some time to myself. So I hadn't taken the keys. (laughs) So I've now gone all the way across London. And with this person that I don't want to spend time with plus my friend who's come over to pretend to be an imposter or oh to be an imposter and I can't let anybody in <laughs> and it's tipping down with rain <laughs> <laughs> and then in order to keep the lie I said I'll just uh, I'll just go home and get the studio keys jeez you that, I mean that is commitment to the lie <laughs> I know that's uh, that's admirable it was awful yeah you see, you, you are you are socially crippled inside. Well, oh, well just... I actually have a really good one, but I can't tell you on the podcast. Okay, I'm, I'm going to pause at this point yes. and ask Narina what it is in real life. <laughs> that's so great. But I can't say it to no, no, dead. No. Oh, that's great. That's really wonderful. <laughs> yeah. Now that you're listening, it's happening. Do you know it? Do you like it? When will you be here in the future? I will be here in the future. Adrift with Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port. listening to is um is a clip from narina's album which is called stay lucky the song is called come into my room i was just saying to narina i had a little um a little cry when i was going around the park listening to this earlier on and i can't quite remember which bit it was that set me well, because off because it was so bad <laughs> um <laughs> did- like, oh god i hadn't listened to a record and i've been voices <laughs> up here and i'm gonna have to feign feign positivity how do you do when people tell you like very intense emotional stories which are uh, accompanied by your music um I think it's quite nice, actually. Sometimes it can be a bit like, okay, too, you know, a bit too much. Mm. But generally people are 
are really sweet and it's why you make work isn't it really um some yeah i've never had a, an awkward one with that people are generally very lovely that's, that's a nice thing yeah. um I, I can't ever remember hearing a song with soda stream mentioned in it before you manage that on the album do you, do you like punch the air when you manage to get something like that into a lyric do you know i wasn't it wasn't a it was this sounds really weird it wasn't a um a conscious effort to get that word in what happened was i was just thinking about nostalgia and what it was like being a teenager mm. and i just remember one of the things that everybody had in the 80s was a soda stream you know and you'd go around your mate's house and you'd be like oh look you've got the black current because you <laughs> nobody had all the no unless you were really posh nobody i knew had every single flavor right? yeah so it was like a mix and match yeah i remember those line. things would quite easily blow up the glass bottles you had to be careful not to over fizz them otherwise you could have a small yeah. explosion and then they fell out of vogue, didn't they? Mm. Suddenly nobody wanted to use them. Or they weren't fizzy enough or something. Maybe maybe SodaStream would give you a backhander for including it, because that happens a lot on hip-hop records, doesn't it? Like people do take they? product placement. Yes, they do, yes. You missed a trick with that yeah, one. Yeah, you've got to make videos with the items in, like, the foreground. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's something I was wondering about. So you, you talk about writing songs from nostalgia, because, of course, you're... Very, very happily married, as, as happy as a marriage can be. I'm sure it's like depressing <laughs> at times as well, because that's how it goes after a certain And point. then you die. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Becomes a frosty truce. Um, but do, do you ever have like little affairs in your songs? Yeah, of course. I mean, you have to, right? You'd go bananas. I was thinking about that song, like, um, is it called The Heart is a Lonely Hunter? Yeah. Like, at what point do you have the conversation? Is it like when you're dating somebody at first and you say, look, this is how it's going to go. I'm going to have these little things like in songs, but they're meaningless. Creative affairs. Yeah. Well, I, but I think it's also to do with, you know, we were talking about your, when you have a, a past, we all have a past and items that you've shared with an ex. And I last year, my one of my ex-boyfriends died suddenly, very young age. I think he took his own life. It's unclear. His parents haven't said too much about it. Mm. Um, and you can get thrown back so quickly and it feels as present as if it was happening now. Um, and I think I'm definitely, a, I, I live in my head a lot, you know, so I can go back there and suddenly I'm 21 again or whatever, you know, and so these little... They're like little films in your head. Um, and also I daydream all the time. And so I th- you, you can make your own fun then? Yeah, and I think about parallel lives, you know, like... Like sliding doors moments. Kind of, yeah. Or I, I had a, someone, a friend of mine once said, you know, he was collecting baggage at a baggage claim and he was thinking about bags going around carousels and thinking what if he picked up the other bag and what kind of life would he could suddenly have this totally different life. And I just think life is really quite boring, isn't it? It's mundane. Yeah, yeah. Most it's, most of it is. Most is most of it is really the same old, same old, same old. And having kids reinforces that a hundred percent. So, you know, it's for me it's either drinking from midday or Valium <laughs> or you know, having these little movies in my head. Could you not combine the three? <laughs> I'd love to, but the school run. I'm gonna do that. <laughs> um I should mention that you you're doing um doing some shows as well yeah but they're all sold out so, oh, so you don't, but if you go on one of those really expensive ticket websites <laughs> yeah you could or what are they called secondary ticket oh i bought tickets for something earlier on which i've not done in years because i've got them free most of the time have you when was the last time you used a, a, a website to purchase tickets oh uh, i only the other day it's the most stressful experience oh what one are you using then i think it was via gogo and it's telling you okay 600 people are looking at this at oh, the moment yeah, yeah, you've yeah. got eight minutes uh, if you don't want these tickets um then yeah, you better release them and it's even all, when you're buying them it says this person's behind you in the queue and it's a very stressful, stressful. experience you should try dice it's an app uh-huh. but not every gig is on dice and it's the least stressful way and there's no secondary charges it's what? really good i bought a lot of tickets recently through dice what are you gonna see i am going to see little dragon on saturday oh great from gothenburg right yeah i think they are yeah um and, Look at me uh, showing off. Yeah, <laughs> the one fact yeah, I knew about yeah. little dragon. I knew dragon. Swedish. I was like, wow. <laughs> um, yeah, I've got a load of gigs coming. There's a, it's there's really good gig season at the moment. There are tons. I went to see Phoenix a couple of weeks ago, and I got cigarettes after sex coming up. Uh, have you heard them? Yeah, yeah, they're really good. Oh, they're really good. 
And unfortunately, annoyingly, I'm playing the same night as my war on drugs tickets. So I had to give them to my niece. Are you still at a stage where um, you, you're happy to stand at a gig? Oh, yeah. I'd rather stand at a gig, wouldn't you? I, I hit point, I'd say 38, oh. the age of 36, having hated seated you gigs. You want to th- sit down at a gig? Oh, my God, it's so nice. That's wrong. <laughs> Oh dear! I'm not sure we that's, should that's, allow you that's to middle do anything. Age. That's yeah, when middle no, age sets in. I think it's in. time. No, yeah. um, I should say thanks to Narina. The album is "Stay Lucky." It's um, it's it's very moving, but this could be down to my underlying emotional issues <laughs> and your age and my age. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I'm enjoying it immensely, and uh, you can't go and see Narina in concert unless you have tickets already. And uh, otherwise, just thank thank you for doing this. Oh, what what a lot 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 of fun to talk about very random things and be of no particular use to anybody. that was our podcast thanks for downloading and i'd be really grateful if you'd share your story of social ineptitude with me and our fellow drifters hello at adriftpodcast.com it's very much up to you to pick up the slack while annabelle's off thanks to man and the echo for the backing music and to emily harrison for the incidental music during the incident my advisors this week were Dave Gorman. His excellent show, Modern Life is Goodish, is back on the Dave channel now. New episodes are every Tuesday and you can find them on Catch Up. Tim Turner. Tim's data protection consultancy firm is called 2040 Training. And my millennial friend who went viral, Leah Apostolou. You can find her on Twitter, at Leah. Leah is spelt L-L-I-A. Vince Lynch and Simon Wilcox were our announcers and made our idents. Patrick Gunning and Iwana Babu provided technical support. Carla Gowlett took the photos and Kim Rainey designed our artwork. Support our show with your money on Patreon, patreon.com stroke adrift. You can rate and review us on iTunes. Or if you won't do any of that, you can always strike up a conversation with a stranger at a bus stop and tell them how much they would enjoy this podcast. And finally, thanks to Narina's school photographer for calling her the female Michael Foote and therefore keeping her therapist in business for many lucrative years. Adrift. All right, onto the podications. And I should just very quickly explain that I'm recording these a few days after I recorded the rest of the podcast with Narina. So um, I hope that explains why she's va- vanished. She didn't storm out thinking, oh my God, that was just such a waste of my time. If she did think that, she was very polite and concealed it well. Um, the other thing I should point out as well is. I'm so disorganized with these. Um, Annabelle has a system. She has a bulldog clip and she um, keeps these things filed in a particular order. And with her being off on maternity leave, it's gone to rack and ruin. Um, And I can only apologize. I've got a couple here that I think should be done around this date. But if if you've sent one in and asked for this date specifically and it, it's not here, I can only apologise. I'm going to try and get on top of it. So all that in, in, uh, in mind. The first one comes from Claire, who says, Well, your begging worked. I've been looking forward to hearing you two again. All the very best of luck. Um, as I've signed up for Patreon, could I possibly request a podication or whatever you're going to call it these days? I think I think, pay, I think uh, podication. Yeah, I don't want to be thinking up new things at my age. Um, For on or after the 31st of October. Well, I'm reading this on the 31st of October and you'll be hearing it just after, I guess. Um, Baby should be born that day. Let me know and I'll come up with something vaguely interesting, if that's possible. 
Well, here we are. Uh, and I think, I don't know if um, you're talking about your baby or Annabelle's baby. Um, Annabelle's baby is already here, as we established last week. Little Rudy Richardson, he's doing well. Spoke to her on the phone yesterday. I'm trying to think of any uh, Annabelle baby news that I can give you. You know, she's just in that, that phase where it's both a bubble of bliss and it's, uh, it's, it's, it's shell shock. And she's juggling those two things very well, I think. Um, but I don't know if you are talking about Annabelle's baby. Have you got a baby coming too, Claire? Um, give us give us more information, please. Or don't. If you think, you've had enough from me. Don't beg for more. I've given you money. What else do you want? So so there we go. A, a podication for Claire. And then the other one... Um, comes from Theo Peterson, who says, Dear Annabelle and Jeff, I'd like to request a podication from my girlfriend, Flossie Booth. We started going out just under three years ago after meeting at work. We're both quite shy. Uh, So it took a month of 2am WhatsApp conversations for us to acknowledge that we might like each other. So far, so normal. Okay, apart from the name Flossie. Um, it was a few weeks later that I noticed her habit of laughing out loud with headphones in. What are you listening to? I asked with solicitous and good-natured interest. Jeff and Annabelle, she replied, with no further explanation. And so I was introduced to the third and fourth people in our relationship. Not in a creepy way. She's been listening to your podcast for 11 years. Wow. Not just downloading every new episode as soon as it comes out, but also re-listening to random episodes from years ago, even though all the references aren't hip anymore. This is the thing about this podcast. We're we're so hip most of the time. It must sound very odd when you come across a non-hip reference. Because I don't know if Theo Theo will know this. Flossie might know this, but the Radio Times used to describe the radio show as near-hip. Um, You've been an unwavering presence in her adult life, and now you're an unwavering presence in mine. That's us. No wavering. It's our anniversary coming up in a few weeks, and her birthday soon after that. So I'd like to send her this podication, partly for being an unendingly, mesmerisingly, mind-expanding and marvellous person, but mostly for exposing me to the wonders that are Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port. This, this is good. You've got your priorities right. I mean, this this is clearly the biggest takeout from this relationship here, Theo. Um, you've brought... Um, uh, sorry, I'm, I'm, Annabelle isn't here with the biro to scribble out any errant compliments, so I'm having to do it as, a, as I go along. Um, but Theo says, um, now that we've made the admittedly terrifying leap of faith from absolute to adrift, long may it continue. If you're able to read this out sometime around either the 1st of November, our anniversary, here we are, 1st of November, pinch punch 1st of the month, or the 14th of November, her birthday, it'd probably save me having to buy her a present ever again. But I know I want doesn't get, so I'll leave the scheduling decisions in your hands. Thanks for everything. Keep up the good work. Thank you for saying it's good work. Uh, Thea says, P.S. We love the live show at the Roundhouse, but felt too awkward to come to the pub afterwards. Next time. Oh, you should have done it. Was, it was nice. I think um, it's like being at my own wake to, to some extent. That, um, I mean, no weeping. But it was, I, I, I'm, I'm trying to say in a very clumsy way that I enjoyed myself and people were lovely, but there you go. I don't know if I did a very good job. But please come come to the next thing. We are uh, toying with the idea of doing some live podcast records, um, quite when and where and what shape those will take. Uh, it's still very much up in the air, but that's something we'll uh, get to talking about when Annabelle's back. We were thinking of doing something before Christmas, but let's be honest, that's not going to happen. Um so there we go. Latest edition of the podcast, podicated to Flossie Booth from Theo. Happy anniversary. And also, Flossie, happy birthday in a couple of weeks. And 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 also to um, to Claire, Claire Carter. I, I don't feel I've done a very good job of your podication. I wonder if there's another bit on a different piece of paper that Annabelle left me that um, I, I haven't found by which I mean, I've, I, you want to see the state of this place. I mean, it, lo- it looks like um, a, a strong gust of wind has been through here. There's printed out emails everywhere. It's not environmentally friendly. Annabelle's system has completely gone to pot, but I'm, I'm really sorry. But um, if you would like a podication, 
then do email him for one. And I'm tr- I'm trying to keep on top of it. And especially, actually, if you've got stories for the podcast, uh, the more of those, the merrier with Annabelle being off. But you can email hello at adriftpodcast.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, y'all. Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. 